Okay, we're in lesson two today in our series of living in a world of pluralism. And the lesson is entitled today, Reaction. Now last week I showed you kind of where we're at in America, and even where we're at here in Clearfield County a little bit, okay? I think I kind of shared with you that almost half of the county doesn't even go to church, okay? They don't physically go to church. Now they might claim to be a Christian, but as far as physically going to church, half the county doesn't. I also pointed out to you last week that there is a growing number, especially among young people, who are identifying themselves as nothing, or they're called the nuns. Now, as we've seen, we can tell that things are changing, and what we're going to talk about today is the response of the church, how the church is responding to the change, and then how we are being perceived because of our response. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we're going to talk about how the church is responding and how we're being perceived because of our response. And then I'll give you some general observations, okay? So let's talk about reaction. First of all, the response of the church to what's happening, to the change that's happening. Remember, I told you change is happening. And it's accelerating. It's going really fast, okay? So here's the response. The church's response has been largely negative. The church's response has been largely negative. It's kind of like, here's, here's what the church is like, okay? Have you ever met a cranky old lady? You ever met a cranky old lady? Like in her 80s or 90s, okay? And she's just... Every time you talk to her, she's always complaining. And, and, and what she's complaining about is the, the latest thing that she doesn't like or the latest irritation in her life. You ever met somebody like that? Okay. Folks, that's the church today. I mean, because after a while, do you like hanging around cranky old ladies? Or about cranky old men? Do you like hanging around cranky people? Jane, you like hanging around them? Okay, well, you're, you're nodding your head, yes. I thought you were saying yes. Okay, all right. So the church's response has been largely negative. We have been reacting to what we're seeing happen. Now, now why is that? Well, here's one of the reasons why I think it's happening. It's as if the church has been sleeping for the last 40 years. It's kind of like we've been in la-la land. And it's, it's like we're, we've been sleeping for the last 40 years and we've been totally oblivious to what's going on around us. Now some of that has to do with, and I'm going to be very honest with you, especially the last 40 years, we've created a Christian subculture. What do you mean by that, George? Well, we have our own music. We have our own uh, concerts. We have our own books, publishers. We have our own radio stations. We have our own news magazines now. And so basically who we hang out with all the time are people who are what? Or think just like what? Us. And, and then all of a sudden it's like all of a sudden we're realizing things are happening 
rapidly, and it's like all of a sudden we woke up. It's like, what? What's going on around here? This ain't the America I know. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that I heard when I was in China the last time, and I thought it was pretty good. It says, change takes a thousand years. Change takes a thousand years. So what you're reacting to did not just happen overnight. It's been going on for a long time. It's been moving there gradually. But what it's like we just kind of woke up. It's like, oh, it's not the way we thought it should be. Well, it's because the church has been sleeping for the last 40 years. Here's the other thing. The church has wrongly assumed that a specific party would influence culture. Somehow we bought a bill of goods. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Now, I'm conservative. However, we have wrongly assumed in the church that a specific party was going to take care of all the cultural... Because we were told that by, by our well-known pastors and, and people on TV and, and send your check into them and they'll fight for you. Well, here's the problem. Even when that, quote, party was in, change was still happening. In fact... There was a lot of changes that happened, but we just assumed, well, we got the right guy in, it's going to be okay. But, but the, here's the thing, folks, change is happening continually in our culture. So, okay, I mean, I'll just be, let's, let's just be brutally honest, okay? I'm, uh, I'm going to be 47 here in two weeks, okay? 47 years old in two weeks. I started voting when I was 18. The majority of the presidents during that time, do you know who they were in? Republicans. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it was Ronald Reagan, George Bush I, George Herbert Walker Bush, two terms with him, do you know what I'm saying? So a majority of the presidents have been Republicans. Now, we had Bill Clinton for two terms. We've had Obama for one term starting on his second term. So up, do you understand? Most of what we've had is Republicans. Now, let me be honest with you. So, okay, most of the time it's been, quote, a right guy party is what some people in the church would think. Okay? But do you want to know what we noticed, though? Change still kept happening. It didn't affect change. Change was progressing right along. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if, if, if any of you could think about it, I mean, I'm 47, going to be 47. You know, it's been, since I was 18, that's, what, 29 years? We've been on a steady decline morally. Now, why, why is that? Because I think part of the problem is, is that the church has given up its role as to influence society with the gospel and said, I'll just pay for this guy over here to do it. He'll, he'll fight for me. He'll do that for me. We've wrongly assumed that a specific party would influence um, culture. Here's another one. The church has wrongly assumed unity concerning issues. We've wrongly assumed that We're all unified on the issues. 
Well, I can already tell you, you want to know how to start a war here? You want to know how to start a war here this morning? You don't want to get in a, a big brouhaha? You know, what, you know what I'm saying? Knock down, drag out fight right here at church this morning. You know how we could do that? Try to come to some sort of agreement on what political issues are most important. And I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't happening. Let's, let's start off with a real nice one, labor issues. Whoa! You ready to start a war? Do, do you see what I'm saying? We have wrongly assumed that everybody is in agreement about the issues. But remember what I told you, 78% of Americans are Christians. Only 26% of them are evangelicals. The other 50-some percent of them are not evangelicals. They're on a different wavelength, period. Among those that are there, you're going to find people who are supportive of abortion. I don't understand how they could do that, but they are. You're going to find people who are supportive of this, that, or another. Here's one you may not be interested in. 78% of Americans, 78 out of 100, are Christian. Do you know that a majority of those are Democrats? Do you realize that? A majority of Christians are Democrats. They're registered Democrats. Okay? So it's not any particular party. I'm just letting you know that. So we're wrongly assuming that we're all unified concerning the issues. Well, here's the thing. That we could have a war just trying to figure out who the best player is on the Steelers, right? Right? Now, some of you couldn't care less. None of them. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we can have a war about Philly, though, too, right? Okay. All right. All right. Now, here's, what we're, here's the other thing. Here's the thing that I think is very interesting, and I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. This is frustrating to me as a pastor. The church has allowed self-appointed spokesmen to speak for them. The church has allowed self-appointed spokesmen to speak for them. So here's what we do is, is that we look to these self-appointed leaders and say, they're the ones who are speaking for us. Well, they're not. Like, okay, here's, here's, like, here's one. I, I remember this. I was sitting in the office. This probably is about 10 years ago. This is when James Dobson was on Focus on the Family. And he's coming on there, and he's talking about the attack on the family, the attack on the family. And then he says, well, you need to call your congressman and tell him that you are opposed to the capital gains tax. And then he entered the show. Now, here's what I was, I was sitting there at my desk scratching my head. Why am I scratching my head? Well, here's why I'm scratching my head. Well, whether you like the capital gains tax or not is not the issue. But that has nothing to do with the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with the church. The church should not be taking a stand on that. In fact, when we begin to take stands on issues like that, we lose the voice to speak to other issues. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you might be arguing with me and we'll have a big war about whether or not capital gains tax should be the way it is or not, or whatever. Fine. But that's for outside the church. The church's responsibility is to address moral issues, but it's also to offer a message of grace. And what happens is, is with the self-appointed guys, they begin to dictate then what they feel the issues are. Okay? 
what the issues are. So we've allowed these self-appointed guys, spokesmen, to, to speak for us. Okay? Here's the other thing. Some Christians have reacted by focusing on end-time prophecies. So here's how they they response to the change in the world. They don't like the way things are happening. Well, we must be getting close to the end. Jesus must be coming back. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Jesus is coming back, number one. Number two, we are getting close to the end. Okay? Number three, it doesn't have to do with who got elected with president. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how Congress is acting. It doesn't matter if this lifestyle is being accepted in the United States or not. That is not moving us closer to the end times. Why do I say that? Because Americans are the only ones who are talking this way. Because in the rest of the world, it's still bad. And it's always been bad. Nothing's changed for the rest of the world. We just don't like the change that's happening here. So what we're doing is we're getting focused on end-time prophecies. What do you mean by that? Well, how many of you remember, I think it was just two years ago, of course we just had the Mayan thing happen, and of course that didn't work out, but how many remember Harold Camping, about a year and a half ago, made the prediction of May? May 2011, remember that? Jesus was going to come back. I think it was his sixth prediction, and he was wrong. Okay. Well, I mean, even though he predicted it six times and still was wrong, here's the thing. There were lots of people, and they were in what particular one group, elderly people, who bought into what he was saying. Why? Because the, the one age group that has the hardest time with change, do you know who it is? Seniors. Because it isn't the way they thought it would be. So they hear this guy, he says, well, Jesus is coming back, and they're looking at, quote, the signs of the times. Yes, it must be true. So they're ready. Some of them quit their jobs. Some of them sold their stuff for May 11th to happen. May 11th came and went. Guess what? We're still here. So this is just a reaction. See, can I be honest with you? We're reacting to stuff. Now, let me just stop for a moment. We're going to talk here in a little bit. I think that's my last point there on that section. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you, how many of you ever met people that every time they do, every time something happens in their life, they're like, ah! they react. What do you think about somebody like that? You know what I'm saying? Every time, hey, your tire's flat. Ah! You know what I'm saying? You just ran out of gas. Ah! End of the world. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. We won't point fingers at who that's like, okay? All right. All right. Now listen. How do you, how do you like, what do you do with somebody like that? Do you like to hang out with them? No, not really. I mean, you want to do what? You want to get away from them. And what do you call somebody like that? They're nuts. Right? They're, they're not living in reality. Folks, that's how we're coming across. The way the church is reacting. And, and the voice box for churches right now are pastors. I cringe every time I hear about some preacher going on some, some, some show somewhere to try to explain. Don't go on a show. Just be quiet. Did you know what I'm saying? Don't go on a show, just be quiet. Why? Because there's a reaction. And what we're going to look at right now is, is the view from the outside. 
the view from the outside. And here's the first thing I want you to see. And folks, let me just tell you right now, this isn't just the view in New York City. This is the view right here in Clearfield. People have a negative perception about church and church people. Did you understand me? They have a negative perception about church and church people because of our reactions. And and we're saying the most ridiculous, crazy stuff that everybody else is like, what's what's the matter with you? Okay? So here's, here's what I want you to see. First of all, for the view from the outside, the negative perception of the church is increasing. You've got to grasp on that one. Put a star by that. You've got to understand that. The next time you're ready to react with a group of people who may not be Christians about the stuff that's happening, in your, that's going on in the world that you don't like, you need to understand that if they know that you are a Christian, and if you begin to react in front of them, you're only going to increase, listen to me, a negative perception of Christianity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because what's happening as far as the change is seen by most Americans as what? Normal. When you begin to react against it, you are making yourself out to be somebody who's on the what? Fringe. A kook. A nut. You understand what I'm saying? And, and there are willing, willing, and there are willing people who are ready to propagate that message about Christians being kooks, right? Isn't that what the media wants to do? Sitcoms, movies, books, blogs. Because we're reacting? So let me just stop for a moment. Like, okay, we just had the Newtown incident, you know, the, the Connecticut stuff happen. I, you know, one of the things I heard people say, we need to get prayer back in school. Okay, I thought we were over that. Prayer got taken out of school back in the 60s. We've had several generations since. I just gave you the statistics of where most people are at. Who do you want to lead your child in prayer in school? Do you understand? So let's get over that. It's not going to be an evangelical. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the perception is increasingly negative. Now here's the other thing. This is especially true among those who are 18 to 29. Who's the death rate the highest among right now? It's a pretty simple, simple question, isn't it? What's the death rate among those who are over 50? Is it, pretty, is it higher than those who are 18, 29? Yeah. Yeah, it should be. That's only natural, right? Who's decreasing? We are. You understand? I'm in that age group. Our numbers are dwindling, but the 18 to 29-year-olds, they're the ones who are coming up and, what, filling our places. And so it's very important that we understand how they view the church, because isn't that one of our complaints? I hear it all the time. I have a pastor friend. He went to a denominational meeting, and they, you know, they just went to a service similar to what our service is like. And a lot of the pastors there are like, hey, how do we do that in our church to get the young people? And he was very honest. He said, you got to believe a lot. you got to fight to change things because older people don't want to change things, but older people will say, how are we going to get younger people in here? 
Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Younger people have a negative perception of the church. And remember what I told you. 16% are nuns. One in four of 18 to 29-year-olds identify themselves right now as nothing. That's only increasing. Do you realize that? 25% of 18 to 25-year-olds do not identify themselves with any religion. They're nothing. So this is this group, age group here. So let's take a look. There's six areas I'm going to talk about. Now, I got these six from a book that's entitled by Kinnaman and Lyons from the Barner Research Group people called, uh, it was called Unchristian. Came out a few years ago, very controversial. But in the book, he makes some realistic assessments, and it's only been proven as the years go on since the book. Here's the perception that people have of church. And as I share these things with you, some of you are not going to like what is said. Let me just go ahead and say that. So don't throw a brick at me. I'm just sharing with you what they're thinking. Do you understand? I'm just sharing with you what 18 to 29-year-olds are thinking. So don't get upset with me. Because that's not going to change what they think. Okay? But here's what I want you to see. This is where it's at. Now, we need to be aware of it. Now, you say, wait a minute, why are you sharing this with us, George? Well, our purpose in this Sunday school lesson is to know how to talk with people in our changing world. And one of the things we've got to do is quit reacting and start talking, right? Okay, so let's talk about it. So you're going to look at some of these, and some of you are going to get upset by them, but some of you are going to sit here and say, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's what some of my family members are saying. Yeah, I've heard that. Here it is. First one, big one. Christians are seen as hypocritical. Very first one. 18 to 29-year-olds, they see Christians as being hypocritical. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Here's a couple of things that, are, that come out of the study. Christians say, tend to say one thing and to do another. We tend to say one thing and do another. It's almost like, do as I say, but not as I do type of an attitude. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? Do as I say, but don't do as I'm doing. A hypocrite is somebody who condemns somebody else for their behavior but then is, in the, is themselves involved in that behavior. That's a hypocrite. And, and let's be honest, this is an actual fair assessment of the church. We've all got to admit that we're hypocrites, right? Okay. We're all got to admit that. So Christians tend, here's the other reason why. Christians tend to have an attitude of moral superiority. This comes across big time negative to the 18 to 29 year olds, is that we've got this attitude like we've got our acts together. Like we've got it all together now, and we therefore judge other people because it very much appears like they don't have their act together. Okay? You want to know how ridiculous that is? This is how ridiculous, I'll give you an illustration of how ridiculous this is. It's like having an AA meeting with a bunch of alcoholics there, and they won't accept the guy who comes in and who has a drug addiction problem. It happens. You want to know why they don't accept him? Because their addiction is to something that's legal, the other guy's addiction is illegal, so therefore they're on a higher moral plane. Right. 
Do you know what I'm saying? And we act that way. Did you understand what I'm saying? And, and the thing is this, we act like nobody sees it. We act like nobody sees that we're this way. But the reality is, folks, they see it all the time. Most common complaint about people in church is what? You've heard it all the time. The church is filled with what? Hypocrites. So let's be honest about it. Did you understand what I'm saying? Okay, here's the other, second one. Christians are too focused on gaining converts. Uh, here's another one. We're too focused on getting people saved is another way to say it. You know, that's a fair assessment because that is why we're here. We're here to what? Share the gospel with people. But I want you to notice... When you break this down, look at what's going on here in the statistics. Here's what the issue is, and I have to agree with what's being said. Here's one of the first ones. They see churches as focusing on attendance and finances. Do you think that's a pretty fair assessment? Do you think that's pretty fair? In our age of organizational, program-driven, we're more interested in what? Nickels and noses is what we say. You know, except we don't want you to put a nickel in. We want you to put a Hamilton in. Do you know what I'm saying? A 20 in or something. And we're interested in people showing up and how many people are filling the pews. And, and, and we're, you know, it's like that's what our focus is, and we act like nobody else sees that. Well, they see it. They see it right away. Because here's the other thing. They genuinely wonder if Christians truly care about them. Hey, how many of you know what I'm saying? You've been in churches. I mean, we've got a lot of folks here from different church backgrounds. A lot of you have been stomping around this earth a long time and going to church. Haven't some of you ever gone into a church and you really wondered, do they really care about me or are they more concerned about what I'm given? You know what I mean? That's a pretty fair assessment, right? Do they really care about me and what's going on in my life and my growth and me overcoming my issues or are they more concerned about whether or not I'm showing and filling up a pew or if I'm in Sunday school and i got a perfect attendance record and, and, I'm, and I'm giving consistently? Have you noticed that? You know? Some of you have had preachers call you and, and, and tell you that your giving hasn't been good lately. You know what I'm talking about? Can I, can, can I, okay, let's, let's back up. Let's... Let's, let's drop all the veneer. Is that ridiculous or what? What is that communicating? That you matter or your bank account matters? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And the 18 to 29 year olds are seeing that and they're saying, you've got to be kidding me. You want me to get involved with this? You want me to get involved with this? So they generally wonder if Christians truly care about them. Here's the other thing. This third one, some of you might get upset with, but this is reality. Christians are seen as anti-homosexual. Well, shouldn't we be, George? It's a sin. We're just proclaiming the sin. Yeah, it's a sin. 
And we should proclaim sins as being sins and that there is victory over sins. Yes, I agree with you. But what this is talking about is something different than just proclaiming a sin. This is talking about an attitude towards people who struggle with the sin. Okay? This is talking about the attitude towards people who struggle with the sin. And I'm going to give you a couple things here. Here, I want you to understand this is specifically, why do the 18 to 29-year-olds specifically think that this is a problem with us? Well, if you've been looking at the news and everything, you'll know that it's the 18 to 29-year-olds that are increasingly finding it acceptable for a person to be what? Homosexual. That's not changing, folks. Okay? That's not changing. So here's what's going on here. Number one, Christians are seen as bigoted and hateful. Bigoted and hateful. So when we talk about somebody who is struggling with this issue of sin in their life, the attitude that's being expressed is not one of concern to help them overcome it. The attitude is actually to ostracize them, to belittle them, to hate them, and so forth. And and let's be honest, this is only 1% of... Conservative figures say 1% of of America. Some of their publications would say 3%. So you're talking about 3 out of 100 people, if if that's true. Okay? That's 3 out of 100 people that we're treating like they have the plague. So we've been coming across that way because how many of you have heard this statement? We used to say this stuff in church. We don't believe this, but we used to say this. Well, we want to hate the sin but love the sinner. How many of you have heard that type of thing before? I'll be honest with you. The stuff that's been said, jokes that we make in pulpits and stuff, we're not hating the sin. We're hating the sinner. And that's just being very honest with you. So the negative perception is happening. Here's the other thing. The church is sending mixed signals concerning the issue. We're sending mixed signals. Why are we doing that? Well, here's what happens. The church has strongly condemned it while failing to address other sins. Okay, let's, let's ask a general question here. I think everybody can understand. ask me a question. Which sin do you think takes place among more people in America compared to the other? Do you think homosexual is the predominant sin in America right now? How about adultery compared to homosexuality? Do you think that's a bigger sin issue among Americans? Okay. You think adultery is a bigger sin issue than homosexuality? Okay? Now let me ask you a question. Which one's the acceptable one? Well, I'll be honest with you, the acceptable one is adultery. Because we don't talk about it. We don't, I mean, how many of you, I mean, if, if all of a sudden we started, let's say, George, George, let's say I just went berserk, okay? I just lost my mind. And I just started every Sunday railing on adulterers about they're less than, they're wrong, and I've just started spewing out the kind of stuff that we're talking about people involved in homosexuality. What would you think if I started doing that about people who are committing adultery? Because a lot of you know people who have what? Committed adultery. What would you think? 
Honest answers. You lost your mind, and some of you would say, it's about time for me to find another church. Right? This is why we're sending mixed signals. Do you understand what I'm saying? I am not saying to you today that that sin is acceptable. I am saying all sin is wrong. Why do we want to focus on one sin when we should focus on all sin? Do you understand what I'm saying? And way we're coming across because lying is a big thing, is it not? How about gossip? You know what I'm saying? Slander. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, we've got to quit with what we're doing and start reexamining. Now, we want to reach out to them. We want to accept them. Do we not agree? We don't agree with it. That's like I don't agree with a guy who's committing adultery or a gal. But I'm going to be there, what? To talk to them about it, to help them, to set them on the right path. Here's the thing. Have you noticed that our attitude towards those who struggle with homosexuality is not to set them on the right path? Did you notice that? Our attitude is not to set them on the right path. Our attitude is to ostracize them. But the message of the Bible is what? Reconciliation to God. Somehow we forgot what the main message is. Okay? Somehow we've forgotten what the main message. Okay, so that, that's we're anti-homosexual. Here's the other one. Christians are seen as being sheltered. You know what? You know what we're talking about when we mean sheltered. Do you know what I'm saying? It's almost like you're an old maid, 50 years old, never been married, lived with mama all your life. You very rarely go out, maybe to the grocery store, and you come back. You don't have TV at home, and you have no clue what's going on in the rest of the world. you know what I'm talking about? That's kind of like what, a, what Christ, the church is seen today as, you know, like having no clue about what's going on. In fact, here's what they say. Christians are thought of as boring and out of touch with reality. Why? Because our services are boring and out of touch with reality. Do you know what I'm saying? The messages that we're bringing are boring and out of touch with reality. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you know what? You've experienced that, right? Okay? Here's the other one. Christians tend to give simplistic answers to complex issues. I know that. You know, I've been pastoring now. It'd be in July of this year, I'll be ordained 20 years. And I've worked with a lot of people since then. And in the beginning years of my ministry, it was real easy just to give a pat answer. It's just real easy to say, oh no, this is what it is. Boom. Sorry, can't help you. But what has happened is, is after 20 years of ministry now, I've realized there are no simple answers. People are complex. Their situations are complex. I just can't tell you yes or no. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and we have a tendency to want to answer everything with a simplistic answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? We just want to answer everything with a simplistic answer. And that's not possible. 
Here's the other one. The church is not willing to deal with the grit and grime of people's lives. That's the real big one, isn't it? We're not willing to deal with the junk in people's lives. We want everybody to show up perfect. Have you noticed that? We want only a certain type of people to show up. We want people who, quote, have their act together or look like they have their act together. And as soon as something emerges from their life that says maybe that they don't have their act together, we want to say, hey, hey, you know what? There's another church for you. Go somewhere else. And this is what the 18 to 29-year-olds are saying. We don't want to deal with the junk in people's lives. And let's just be honest, okay? Nobody's perfect. We all got junk that we've got to work through, right? So let's quit trying to act perfect. Do you understand? I'm thankful that we are, because ministry is messy, right? You want to write that down on the side of your paper? Ministry is messy. It's not perfect. People are not, it's just not, you can't just give us, oh, this is what you got to do, ten steps of this. You know, and this is the kind of messages that we're giving across in the church today. Ten steps to a green lawn, you know, from the Bible. How to have a nice lawn from the Bible, you know. Ten steps to beat your kids, make them submissive. Ten steps to how your wife can be a doormat. I've heard messages like that, okay, and Baptist churches. Okay, let's go on. Here's the other one. Christians are seen as too political. And rightfully, we've earned this. We're seen as too political. Again, remember what I said. We've, we've assumed, and, and this perception that they have is correct, so don't act like, oh, this ain't true. Well, have we not for the longest time tried to say it was one party? Do you know what I mean? So Christians are seen as too political. Here's what happens. Christians are motivated. This is what they're thinking, 18 to 29-year-olds. We're motivated by a political agenda. And we've had, because we've embraced this idea that if I vote for the right party, they're going to, they're going to be able to stem the tide of change and everything's going to stay the way that it's supposed to be. Now, how many times, have, I, have you heard that? If we could just erect the right guy and we get the right guys in the Supreme Court then everything will be okay. Well, we have a majority of conservative justices. Has anything changed? Do you understand what I'm saying? Nothing's changed. Christians are motivated by a political agenda. Here's the other thing. Christians are seen as being aligned with one a political party. That's true, isn't it? Christians are seen as being aligned with one political party. Now think about can I stop for a moment? Why is that true? Because I just told you a majority of Christians are what? Democrats, but yet Christians as a whole are seen as being aligned with who? Republicans. Now, why, why do you think that is? Because I've, I've just had little quiet conversations with some of you, just between you and I, and I can almost guarantee you, you are not Republican for some of you. I mean, you would, I mean, it's like, Hurrah! that's almost like having cancer. Okay? For some of you. Now, 
So how is that possible? Here, let's go back. We have, a, we have self-appointed spokesmen. We've accepted self-appointed spokesmen that are not reflective of who we are. Do you understand what I'm saying? So because of that, we're seen as being aligned with one political party. Here's the other thing. Conservative Christians are often seen as what? Right-wingers. And let's be honest, I already told you about listening to the radio and talking about calling my senator to talk or congressman to talk about the capital gains tax. You know what? That has nothing to do with Christianity. Why should I even get involved with that? And when I do, when I do, I'm just seen as a right-winger. Do you understand what I'm saying? I lose my moral voice. I remember when I first started pastoring, I pastored in Canada, and I remember one of, I had a good guy in the church, his name was Alan, and he brought this petition in, and he said, here, pastor, we need to put this on a table and get people to send in these letters. And so here's what I read. I read in this petition, okay, that I was supposed to write the Attorney General of Indiana, because Madeline Murray O'Hare was going to seek to have the FCC overturn the licenses for Christian radio stations, and we need to tell this Attorney General of Indiana that we're, we want our Christian radio stations. Now, I tried to not laugh at him. But I said to him, I said, Alan, first of all, you're a Canadian. Your letter's not going to mean anything. Number two... The Attorney General of Indiana only deals with the issues of Indiana. The FCC is a federal organization. That's number three. So he doesn't have anything to say with that. Next thing I want you to know is Madeline Murray O'Hare has been dead for a couple of years. So I doubt very seriously that she's pursuing a petition with the FCC. And so, I, you know, do you understand? We've got to be careful. Because we jump on the bandwagon of things, and what happens? We're looking like what? I didn't want to use that word. He said idiots, okay. But right-wingers, okay? All right, let's go on here. Here's the other one. Christians are seen as too judgmental. Here's the number one. Here's the number six thing. Here's the last thing from the 18 to 29-year-olds. They see us as being too judgmental. What's going on here? Christians are seen as quick to judge others. And we know that's true, right? I mean, if you've been around church and church people for a long time, you know what it's like to have people just quickly judge you. Right? We've experienced that not just from people outside of the church. Those who are in the church know that this one is true, right? Because they don't know all the circumstances of what's going on in your life, and they'll say things like this, well, God must not be happy with you. What were you doing? He must be chast... We even use the big spiritual word. He must be chastising you. What kind of an attitude is that? That's a judgmental attitude. So they're right in this one. Here's the other thing. Christians are not seen as being honest about their perceptions of others. Because we'll say things like, oh, we love everybody. We love everybody. I remember I pastored a church, a church in Canada. Oh, we just, we want to reach the community for Jesus. 
We love everybody. And then one day a guy walks in. He's got a do-rag on his hat. His, his woman is there with a sleeveless dress on with tattoos all up and down their arm. And being a Baptist church, we take all the seats in the back, so we force them to sit up front. And at the end of the service, I heard one of my dear saints in the church, dear old saints, say this. We don't need their kind here. I thought we'd love everybody. See, here's the thing. 18 or 20-year-olds are not dumb. They can see that we're not honest about our perceptions of others and that we have attitudes towards other people. Do you understand? Here's the other thing. We are not seen as truly loving other people. We are not seen as truly loving other people. That's just reality. Now, is that not interesting? The 18 or 29-year-olds would say that we're not seen as truly loving other people, but is that not what Jesus said? Jesus said what? By this shall they know that you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. Boy, we're really, really falling down, aren't we? Here's some general observations. I'll just go through them real quick. The church has become the moral police of our society. Well, isn't that what we're supposed to do? No. That's what the Pharisees did, right? Weren't they the moral police of their society? What is the message of the gospel? Forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We are to be the messengers of the gospel, not the moral police. Somehow we've gotten this concept that we're supposed to be the moral police. Here's the other one. The church is losing the ability to share the gospel. Here's the thing. We've gotten to the place now because of our negative reactions and because we're seen as being too politically oriented and that we have a political agenda. Every time we open our mouths to share the gospel, somebody thinks that we've got a political agenda to push. All that does is just remove from us an ability to share the gospel with other people. Let's go on. Negative reactions will not help our position. Reacting negatively, angrily, is not going to help your position. Okay? Here's the other one. We need to wake up to the new reality of our world. What's the new reality, folks? Christianity is on the decline in America. And with that, here's the final point. We need to recognize that we cannot go back. You know, I get tired of hearing, I, I hear these Christian speakers and they've got these scholars and stuff, well, that's not what the founding fathers said, and this is America was based on this. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's wonderful. But the problem is, it takes a country to agree to that and change. That isn't happening. You can't go back. They say, now, I don't know if I agree with you, George. Well, listen to this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes, chapter 7. Write this reference down. And listen to what Solomon says. Verse 10. He 
Here's what he says. This is the word of God. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? Don't we say stuff like that? Boy, I wish it was like the old days. They were a lot better back then. He's telling us here, don't say that the former days were better than these. Why? Here's why he tells us not to say that. Because here's what he says about you and I when we say those things. For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. What's he saying here? When you and I say things like that, he's saying that we're not being wise in asking those questions. We're not wise. Because here's the thing. How many of you have control over how the culture and society is going? How many of you got a control panel at home and you can push the right button and it will all change back the way it's been? How many, how many of you got that control panel? You got that control panel in your house? I'd like that control panel. I want to borrow it for two days, okay? Nobody has that control panel, right? How much influence do you have right now over that? Quit wasting your energy reacting. Recognize, this is where it's at. I have been raised up for this generation to what? Influence people around me with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. So you need to do that. Quit reacting. You understand? Quit reacting. Now here's what we're going to do next week. Next week we're going to start look at the lesson. And we're not going to start looking at the nuns and Catholics or how do we talk to people, Muslims and things like that. Next week we're just going to talk about how we should talk. In general, first of all, before we look at specific groups, how to talk to each other. Okay? All right. Let's uh, close our time in prayer.